retreat at the guest services right after the service. Uh, we have 11 that have already uh, uh, taken 11 spots out of 20, so uh, they're going to be filling up soon, so res reserve your spot. And uh, we haven't opened it up to uh, Sammamish or uh, Foundation, uh, Foundation in Sammamish or Bellevue yet, but as soon as we do, we'll probably get those filled. So uh, make sure that you uh, do that. We're looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, tonight, we're having uh, the uh, Brother uh, Ramos is going to be with us, and uh, we're, we're 16 of us here from the church are going on a missions trip to Mexico. And uh, yeah, now to Mexico. Anyway, so we're, we're going to Mexico, and we're going to be gone a week, and we're going to be visiting three or four churches, maybe four or five churches, and we're going to be a real blessing. Uh, we're going to focus on that tonight, and so you'll hear all about that and be able to, to uh, get behind that with prayer and giving and whatever, so uh, don't forget about that. That's tonight. Also, uh, after the service in the evening is, is going to be the uh, annual uh, business meeting, the, the uh, uh, annual church business meeting, which is a blessing. I'm telling you, that God has blessed the church in so many ways, and so you'll be able to rejoice with that tonight. Also, um, uh, in the guest services, there are Bibles, King James Bibles there, that are they're really good, um, like this one here, uh, just really a nice nice Bible, and there are several of them, different colors and whatever, we've gotten several. If you need a Bible, then go ahead and, and uh, uh, take a look at that. This one here is $9, actually it's uh, 16 or 18 bucks with tax and all, but we get them for discount, and so... We're offering them in the guest services. Make sure that you see that. Brother Lamar, we'll give this to your wife and make sure that she gets that to, to the guest services. <clears throat> All right, take your uh, Bibles and turn to First Chronicles chapter number 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. And we'll start with verse number 1. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. We'll read down through verse number 3. 1 Chronicles chapter 29 from verse number 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones beset, uh, glistering stones, and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Let's stop right there. Ask the Lord's blessings. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you'd bless it this morning. Help us to see some things that would be a blessing. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to focus in on and emphasize the things that you would like for us to out of your word and that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray for that one that's here without Christ. They've never been saved. They might know about church and religion and about Jesus, but they never have been introduced to him. So, Lord, I pray that you would help them to understand today how much that you love them, just like as the, the gal's just saying. Lord, what a blessing it is to be loved. Thank you, Lord, for loving us like you do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would indeed pursue that one and show that one your love. Lord, for believers here, I pray that you would just bless, help us to understand a little bit about what consecration means. 
my dedication, my total dedication to be all in for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the consecration that David had and then how it can apply to us also. So Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless in all that's said and done here today. We ask your presence to be with us and that you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look forward to this year, 2019, in the overview of the entire chapter, chapter 29 here in uh, 1 Chronicles, this year we'll continually refer back to these main divisions of this chapter as we explore how to be all in for him. You remember we said this chapter, the first five verses are talking about consecration. That's where we're going to be this morning. That's dedication, it's personal consecration, and David gives an example of that. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And then after that, from verse number 6 down through verse number 9, you see the cooperation. Uh, There's a willing teamwork, a camaraderie with all of God's people jumping in on the task before them. And then verse 9 through verse number 21, you see application, where they actually roll up their sleeves and apply, and they work, they labor, they administer service and gifts. And then verse number 6, verse number 9, verse number 22, you see the exaltation or the adoration of the Lord. They're, it, they're uh, uh, serving Him, worshiping Him with genuine enthusiasm and joy. And then verse 22 through the rest of the chapter, verse 30, is confirmation. This is where Solomon's taking over and he's certifying, he's authorizing, uh, uh, he's transferring the kingdom from himself to his son Solomon. So understanding that Again, this is David's final chapter. He cuts to the chase of his existence. As we said last week, knowing that he'll soon stand to face the Lord that created him and his eternity, he's not wasting time. He's not wasting words or pursuits. Everything has come into extreme clarity, and he's using every last breath to make a difference. And that's where we see his words, and every single word is full of meaning, is full of emotion for him. And with such clarity, we'll take advantage of this wise and this godly king's sincere straightforwardness to trace his steps and thus to enhance ours. We're on the consecration focus, that first section of this chapter that David and all the people did in preparation to build the temple. They dedicated themselves to the task. And so let's see, let's take a look at what David said. It's very simple. This is a simple outline in in the Word of God, and you have it right there in uh, verse number two and verse number three. You have these words that David said. We'll just go over it quickly. In verse number two, he says, I have prepared. Now, I have prepared. And then later in verse number three, he says, I have set my affection to the house of my God. And then even later after that, he says in verse 3, I have given to the house of my God. So that's very simple. I've prepared, I've set my affection, and I've given. So let's take a look at David's consecration. First of all, verse number 2. Let's see that verse again. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and he goes on and on and on. He says, this is what I've done. I've prepared to build. I've prepared myself to serve. I've prepared myself to worship. I've prepared myself to honor the king. He's talking about preparing himself first. Before the building, he says, this is what I've done. I've prepared myself. This subject of self-dedication, 
It's critical. It's so very important for each one of us. If you want to serve the Lord, if you want to build for Him, if you want to have victory in your walk with the Lord, you've got to dedicate yourself first. You've got to dedicate yourself. You've got to consecrate yourself for that service and for the work. This is a determination just as much as Daniel and the three Hebrew children who decided way before the trials that they were dedicating themselves to the Lord. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He, he made that decision ahead of time. He said, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm not going to do. And he dedicated himself to be uh, totally consecrated to God. And so did Meshach, Shadrach, and again Abednego. You, you know the story there. So here he says he purposed in his heart. He, he, he made a point to dedicate himself. Look at the consecration of the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. It's a great passage of Scripture. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches and their liberality. Notice the contrast that he's dealing with here. He says uh, affliction and joy. They seem to be opposite. They said, he said they have all kinds of affliction, opposition and persecution, affliction. But then he says, but they have an abundance of joy. And that's kind of strange, but they go together. They're serving the Lord, and it doesn't matter the persecution. God will give you joy. God will give you joy through difficulties. And so he talks about affliction and joy together. And then he talks about their poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Either poor or you're able to give a lot. And you know what? He says they were poor, but they were liberal in their heart. They're very contrast. He goes on in verse 3. He says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first. Now notice what he says. This is so very important. They're giving to the Lord. They're giving to missions. They're giving to, to the work of God. It says, first, they gave their own selves to the Lord and then unto us by the will of God. He says, they did above what we even hoped that they would do. First, they dedicated themselves. First, they said, God, to do this work, we need to give ourselves, <coughs> we need to consecrate ourselves, as David said, we need to prepare ourselves for the work of God. And that's what they did. They first gave their own selves to the Lord. The little boy who had nothing to give for the... Uh, for the Lord, when the offering plate came around, he just took the offering plate and laid it down in the aisle and stepped right in it. He said, Lord, I got nothing, but I got myself. How about I give me? Amen. You know, that's a great thing to do. How about that? Except that's giving everything. See, this preparing oneself in consecration to the Lord and to his work is so very important. Folks, we can't do God's work without consecrating ourselves. Now, this is a message that I want to apply at the close of this message. I'm going to, again, consecrate myself, dedicate myself to his service, and I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. But think of that. Uh, preparing oneself in consecration is so very critical. Hezekiah addressed this when he pressed the folks to yield themselves to the Lord in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse number 8. This is what he said there. 
and he's talking about yielding or presenting yourself, giving yourself to God. He says, now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. So he says, yield yourselves to the Lord. You know what that means? To yield, that means to give over. To give the keys to. To allow someone else to call the shots. And he says, here, what you need to do, okay, he's talking about uh, entering into the sanctuary for worship and whatever. He says, but first of all, you need to yield yourselves unto the Lord. Paul speaks of this yielding in Romans chapter 6, verse number 13. What a great passage of scripture. He says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. See, that's what you did prior to Christ. That's what you did before you ever came to be saved. Is you did everything that your flesh wanted to do or the wicked wanted you to do or the world or the devil wanted you to do. Yield yourselves, I mean, totally given over to wickedness, to riot, to uh, rebellion, to whatever it was that was Contrary to God and contrary to, to uh, righteousness, that's what you were. That's what I was. I, you know, when I was a lost person, I was a lost person. You know, just gave it all to the world and the devil and the flesh. That's it. Everything. That's what it was all about. And you can't blame a lost person for doing that because that's all that they have. He says, but you know what? That's how you were before. As you did, yield yourself to unrighteousness and to sin. But now, you're not that anymore. Now, believer, this is what you do, and that's what he says. He goes on to say, uh, neither yield ye yourselves. Okay, where am I? In verse number uh, uh, verse 13, he says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. And then he goes on to say, but yield yourselves unto God. That's giving over to God. That's turning over the keys. That's saying, Lord, you're in charge. He says, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That means your members, that's your hands and your, your eyes and your ears and your body, who you are, your talents, everything that you are. Yield them unto God. Say, God, you have these hands. God, take these eyes. I've used them for my own purposes, for my own flesh in the, in the past. I want to give them to you. I want to yield them to you. And it's First, folks, what you have to understand is when you serve God, if you want victory in your, in your walk with the Lord, you have to prepare yourself first. The first thing is I must prepare for service to God is to prepare myself. I've got to do that. So getting back to David and what he said in our text. First, he says in, in 1 Chronicles 29.2, Now, I have prepared with all my might these things. He says, before we even start building... I had to prepare something. I had to prepare the things. I had to prepare myself for service. He prepared himself. Number two, he says in verse number three, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. I have set my affection says, I have prepared, and then he says, I have set my affection upon God's things. Setting one's affection is managing the affairs of the heart. When you're talking about your affection, you know, that's your love, that's your passion, that's your desire. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3.1. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your affection. How do you do that? How do you set your affection on things above? That's simply said, but how can we manage? How can we lead, guide our hearts? How can we, we direct our passion or our love? Don't people just fall in love? I mean, it happens to them. It's kind of like a lightning bolt. If he fell in love. No, no, that's not what happens. Not really, not really. The Bible way to setting our affection is to... Now, listen, this is... If we're going to be doing this, he says, I I have set my affection to the house of God and to the things of God. And and Paul says, set your affection on things. How do you do that? The Bible says to set our affection is, first of all, to seek. This is watching what we focus on, what you're looking at. And that's you. That's what you decide. You decide what you focus on. Ask Eve. You remember God said, you can eat everything, you can have, have at it. It's all yours, everything in the garden, but this one tree. This is the tree you're not to eat of. And you know what? She could have looked at all of what God has given and all the blessings and been thankful and, and just <coughs> for in eternity lived and enjoyed what God gave. But then Satan came along and said, oh, wait a minute, this tree, look at this tree. So it's good to taste and eat and it'll make you wise. You, you mean to tell me that you can't eat of all the trees? God kept this one. And you know what, where her focus was? Right there at that tree. Right there. And it was, it was bringing away the focus from the blessings of what God has given to what was off limits, what was taboo, what was, what was uh, forbidden, and that's what she set her focus on. And sure enough, it's just a short time after that that she was gone. If you look at the prodigal son, you remember the prodigal son when uh, you know, he, he had this inheritance. He knew when his dad passed, he was going to get an inheritance, a portion of the, the business and of the, the wealth that, that was there. And the Bible says he asked for his portion now, for ahead of time, right now. And you know what? It didn't say he asked for that because he was leaving into the far country. It says he asked for that, and then it says, not many days hence, shortly after that, he went off to the far country. You know why? Because he had all of that money in his bedroom, and he was looking at it from day to day. He said, man, what could I do with this? And what, you know, his focus was, all of a sudden, it was not on all the good things and everything. No, no, his, he, he, he drew his... Folks, listen. You, you must control your heart. If you don't control your heart, you're in big trouble. The Bible says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. It's not whatever your heart desires. You know, like I said a, a moment ago, you don't just fall in love. Well, you know what? That might happen if you're not watching, if you're not managing, if you're not controlling, if you're not setting the boundaries of your heart, of your passion, of your love. Set your affection on things above. That means you choose, you desire, you, you determine what you're going to desire or what you're not going to desire. That's you, that's me, that's our responsibility, setting our affection. <clears throat> so how do you set affection? Well, number one is, is seek, okay? It's watching what we focus. Um, the Bible tells us what to think on and what not to think on. It's active, it's purposeful. Think on these things. Don't think on these things. You know, you, you think the wrong things, 
and it's going to affect your, your uh, life, it's going to affect your, your operation, your labor, everything. So how do you set your affection? Well, number one is, is seek the right things. You know, as, as Paul said, set your affection on things uh, above, not on things of the earth. And then invest. That means buy into. That means uh, put time and effort, labor, focus, money, whatever it is that you have, all your resources, invest. Jesus plainly taught us that we value what we invest in. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where where neither moth moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And listen up, pay attention, because this is is the punchline here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's what you invest in. That's where your heart is. When Lot was uh, instructed to leave Sodom and Gomorrah as judgment was falling, and the angel said, don't look back. Just go run to the hills. And so what they were doing, and you remember Mrs. Lot. You know why she looked back? I tell you why she looked back. That was her life. That was everything that she had. Her focus, her attention, because it's what she invested in. It wasn't anything for God. It wasn't doing what God wanted to do. It wasn't get away from rebellion or, or uh, unrighteousness. No, no. It was everything that she had, all, everything in life was just physical, just there. And that's where her, uh, that's where her attention went. That's where her heart was because that's where she invested. That's where her investment was. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Isn't that exactly what David did in our text? Remember what he said, verse number three? Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good. You know what that means? I invested. Uh, like we said last week, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, government spending. This was his spending. I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given. He says, hey, this is an invest. He invested in God's house thus setting his affection to God's, to God's things, to whatever God wanted. So he, he was focused on, he, okay, you remember what, what he did here in this passage. The first thing, he says, I have prepared, prepared myself. And number two, he says, I have set my affection on God's things. And then he says, going on in verse number three, we just read it, I have given. That's what he says here. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold, silver, which I have given. I've prepared. I've set my affection. Now he says, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. David gave. He invested in. He put stock into God's house. It cost him. We could look at the scripture where when uh, uh, David was being chastened of the Lord and the Lord says, okay, this is how to do this, uh, bring a sacrifice to me. So he's looking for a place. And so he went to the threshing floor of Aruna and he says, here, I want this. So I, t- I want to give something to the Lord. He says, no, well, here, take it. It's all yours. You, it's all your, you don't have to pay for it. It's yours. And he says, wait a minute. I'm not going to offer something that, to God that doesn't cost me anything. It should cost me. It should cost me when I, you know, because what he was saying was, I'm investing. I'm, I'm putting some stock into. 
It costs him. Any, folks, anything worthwhile will cost you. Anything worthwhile. If it doesn't cost you, it's not worth anything to you. Something that doesn't cost you anything isn't worth anything, at least not anything to you. This morning, Diana and I sat down to come up with a figure for the bathroom remodel. You know, we're trying to get the bathrooms done here this, this year and stuff. And we hadn't, you know, just been so busy, we just hadn't done that. There's those little uh, commitment cards that are uh, on the guest services uh, counter. And uh, you can uh, say, well, you know, I, I want to... But you know what we had to do? We had to... Because the other day, we did our budget. I love that. My eyes glass over. I'm, I'm the... I'm not the one that does that. She's all, you know, okay, we got to get this and this and that. Wake me when it's done. You know, and, and so, but it's one of those necessary, and we did that whole budget thing, and we know where every dollar's going, every penny. Okay, my, my whole life is in order. And then this thing comes along. I go, wow, where's that going to come from? All right, well, let's refigure. <laughs> so let's go back. See where we could pull that out of, out of because it's going to cost us. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me if I want to invest in the Folks, that's what investment does. But you know what? What you invest in, you value. I value those bathrooms. <laughs> and I'm going to value the new bathrooms when they're done. I love them. I'm going to spend lots of time there. Well, let's, all right, let's go on. That's not, <laughs> we're, we're going beyond here. <laughs> um, I, I value... I value what I invest in, folks, and so do you. Anything that I love, I will invest in. Now, not that I love the bathrooms, okay? But I'm talking about, hey, it's God's house. I love God's house. So there you go. Anything. Folks, anything that I love. And you know what? It ain't heavy. Because he's my brother. If those of you that are in the 60s and, you know, know the song and everything else, you know, the little kid, hey, kid, that's really heavy for you. Carry your, you know... That, that boy that, and he says, hey, mister, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. You know why? Because he's my brother. I love him. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how, how hard it is. Hey, folks, when you love something, you invest in it. And you invest in your children, in your family, or, or the things that, you, that you, you love. Or maybe I should say, anything I invest in, I will love. See, because anything I love, I'll invest in, but you know what? Jesus said it the other way. Anything you invest in, you love. That's the way it goes. The more that you invest in something, the more interest you have in it, and the more you're, you're uh, vested in that thing, and so anything that you invest in, you will love. Okay, how about this? How about investing in relationships? You know, that's family relationships. You know, we saw the video. I like that. That was, that was a cool video. Um, but hey, you know what, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I see couples in the church and they go on and on and on. And how long have you been married? Uh, 430 years now, you know. And, you know, they're, they're good with each other and all that kind of stuff and whatever. And, uh, but truth be known, she'd love for him to kind of put some focus on the relationship, maybe like it used to be or, you know. And, you know, it seems like when you're in love and you're, you're dating or you're courting, you're, you're looking at that one and you say, man, if we just had some time together and we could plan together and do that, hey, how long has it been, you know? But what you got to do is you got to invest in it. When I was in Bible college, I remember uh, these preachers coming by and they said, now you're going into ministry and you're going to be so busy and you got, you have to date your wife. And I'm thinking, sure, that's right, good. 
let's, let's do that. But then this is what he said, and it made, it made all the difference in the world for me in my home, and that is, he said, put it on your calendar. Because if you don't put it on your calendar, you know what? All of a sudden, you can go weeks and weeks and weeks and months where you don't have that special time that you just, you, you must invest in your relationships. You've got to invest in your relationship. So with your husband and wife, with your kids, with your Church, how about with your church and the relationships that you have at church? How about investing in, hey, as a citizen, you know, how about investing in government? And I'm not talking about, you know, giving what should be God's. No, Jesus said, he, he looked at a coin, he says, give Caesar what's Caesar, give God what's God's. But we do owe things as a, as a, a, um, a citizen of this country we, we owe uh, us to, to be vigilant on what's taking place. Folks, I'm telling you what, there's a divide in this nation. There's a, uh, and, a, you know, you say, oh, you're getting political. No, 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 I'm getting righteousness and, and sense and reason that this nation has been founded upon. We're, we're quickly leaving that. And as a citizen, you ought to know the issues. You ought to vote. You ought to be involved. You ought to be involved with your government. and, and You ought to invest you drive the roads, you uh, uh, have the, the, the blessings of uh, a, a national defense and different things, you know, a, a standing army, that kind of stuff. Well, then you should invest in that. Whatever it is that you, you gain from, you should invest. How about investing in your church? How important is it to obey the, the Lord's command to you? If, if everybody in the church was just like you, you know, you take whoever you are, you know, just an example, take so-and-so. Okay, take so-and-so. If we had a church of 200 people that everybody was a brother so-and-so or a sister so-and-so, everybody was just like you, tell me, how would this church be? Would it be fervent? Would it be healthy? Would it be on fire? Would it be witnessing? Would it, would it be what it should be? Would it, would it be concerned about the things of God? Would it be invested? Would it be all in? Or would it be nominal or mediocre or lukewarm? Hey, wait a minute. What about having a church for your kids? You know, the more that I live, just the other day I was thinking about how old I am. Man, am I old? <laughs> Past the 60 mark and I'm going, oh man, foot in the grave, you know, and so I'm thinking, man, I, I, didn't, I remember when I was a kid, 60, are you kidding me? 60 years old, that's old. And I'm thinking, Spring chicken now, you know, that, man, I've got lots of years still, you know. But hey, listen, truly, getting older, I look at things like, where's this church going to be years from now? If we're on the trajectory that we are on, what about our grandkids? What about my kids' kids? You want a church here for the next generation? Hey, you know what? That's going to take some investment. It's going to take some investment of me rolling up my sleeves, doing what I need to do to get in and to be all that I can be for the Lord. How about investing in Bible reading and prayer, time of devotion to the Lord? Uh, preacher, I really wish I was close to God, but I'm not. Well, how much time do you take every day to pray and to read your Bible and to be before the Lord? Well, I'm too busy. Well, 
Yeah, there you go. You got your answer. No investment. It takes investment, folks. David said, I have given. I understand the, the task. I understand that to worship God. Listen, the palace is not for man, but it's for God. And so therefore, I have given. How about investing in memorizing the word of God? We had such a great time the other night at the uh, memorization banquet. That was so cool. That was really so cool. And Brother Luis, oh my goodness, that was some good food. I love food too much. But anyway, that was, that was so good. It was, it was wonderful, and it was a great time, and it was, and it was just such a, a neat time. You, you remember a few weeks ago, I had you fill out a little form on a Sunday night. It was about your Christian walk and about this last year and whatever. And the ones that, you know, the one question was <clears throat> this memorization program, because, you know, we have it in the bulletin, or and not anymore, but it was in uh, 2018. Every week, we had the next verse, the next verse. So there's 54 verses, actually, in that entire year, plus a couple of weeks, 54 verses that we memorized as a church, and some actually did the entire 54 verses. Some did all of Psalm 119, which is, uh, I, 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 I don't know, I think they're weird. But anyway, I'm just saying that was unbelievable. You know, all of Psalm 119, that's 176 verses. They did 180 verses total, and it was like, my goodness, that's, that's just tremendous. But those people that were at this banquet, folks, now I just want to let you know, those people that were at this banquet, you know that question? Uh, this last year of 2018, my question was something like this. I'm trying to remember how it was worded. Uh, was this memorization program... Um, and encouragement throughout the year, or was it just one big giant guilt trip or bummer, you know? And it's interesting. Everybody that memorized and tried to memorize, it was so encouraging to them to say, hey, man, we're doing this as a, as a, uh, a family, as a church. We're all getting in there, we're all, and we're checking one another. And, we're doing, and everybody said, man, it was good. It was encouraging. That was so good. And even some that didn't do it, they, they said, no, it was, it was encouraging. It really was. You know, I, I didn't do what I should, but, you know, that was encouraging, and thank you for making that push. Maybe next time I'll jump on board or whatever, and that was good. But you know what? There were negative ones, many, that did say, no, it was one big bummer, one big guilt trip. I don't, I don't want to, you know, that's, that's the way that they did that. And, and, and you know what? The reason I could say, you know, blind, before even reading them, the ones that didn't participate. The ones that don't participate, they're the ones, and, and I'm not saying just the memorization program. I'm saying a financial project. I'm saying an outreach project. I'm saying whatever it is in the church. You don't, you don't invest, don't participate. Yeah, you'll be negative. Yeah, you, but you know what? Like Jesus said, you invest. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. So let's invest. How about investing in learning the truth? You know, studying the word of God, getting in and, and understand. You say, you know, preacher, uh, you know, here's my aunt. You know, when she comes in town, could you lead her to the Lord? I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know how to, how to lead. You don't know how to lead somebody to Christ? You just take like four or five verses in the book of Romans. You go one, two, three, four. You don't know how to do that. How long have you been saved? And you don't know how to lead somebody to Christ? Come on. How about investing in some study and learning some things and practicing some things? And you got to invest, folks. You must invest to learn the truth. 
to read your Bible. You never read the Bible through? How many, how many years have you been saved? Okay, here's another year. It's a new year. We're still in January. Not too, not too late to go ahead and get started. <clears throat> how about attending Sunday school? Learning something you don't know. And if you don't, you know, have another class that teaches something that you don't know, jump into mine. <laughs> no, actually, all of the classes are, are great. How about just being here for the services? I'm talking about every service. You know, some people think that Sunday night is the same thing as Sunday morning, and it's not. If you frequent the Sunday evening services, you know it's not the same. It's different. There's a different spirit about it. There's, there's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's in-house. It's family. We deal with things that are, are talking about Christian growth and stuff like that. And, and I know we'll do that Sunday morning too, but many times on Sunday morning there's a, a push and outreach to, to uh, uh, lay out salvation to people that don't know the Lord. And, and we understand lost people are probably going to be there on Sunday morning services, so therefore we emphasize salvation. But you know, you've heard that, you've heard that, you understand that, you know that, and it's just, you know, and, and you think, well, that's it. No, how about showing up on Wednesday night where you get, uh, we, we take time to pray over the missionaries, the needs and the prayer, it, we take time for that, and it's a study in the word of God, and it's different, but people don't know that. You know why you don't know that? Because you're not invested. Come! Well, Sunday night is important to me. Why? Well, because I watch, you know, Dr. Laura or whatever, I don't know. It's, listen, invest, invest. How about investing in the services, investing in your church, investing in things that mean something. Now, I'm telling you, folks, this is what David did. He's ready to, ready to build. He says, the first thing he said was, I have prepared myself. First off, I had to prepare myself. And then he says, I have set my affection. Okay, that means I've, I've watched my heart. I've focused on the right things. I've in, invested in the right things. And then he says, I have given. This cost me. I, I put some skin in the game. And you know what? I want to see this temple go up. I want to see these bathrooms to uh, get put in there. That's going to be really, ah, oh, man, that's so neat. A church this size, we're way behind there. And so that will be great. Or whatever happens in this church, whether we, you know, do this or the next step or the next, hey, uh, he says, I have given. He put some skin in the game because it was personal. He gave. And then look at verse number three. This is the last one. He says, I have prepared. I have set my affection. I have given. And verse number three, he says, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have mine own proper good of gold, silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Hey, he said it again. I have prepared. Again. You say, preacher, we already dealt with this. You know, you know, that senile thing where you're forgetting, you know, and we already dealt with this point. I have prepared. Well, we're doing it again. Because <laughs> he said it again. He said it to begin with, I have prepared. And the last thing he said, verse 3, I have prepared. Again, he mentions the preparation for this awesome work. Oh, you've done that. You, you've consecrated yourself, right? You've prepared your heart. And you, you uh, dedicated yourself for, and so, well, that's well and good, and you're done forever, right? You've, you've uh, uh, come to the Lord, and you've prepared yourself, and since you've done that, you don't ever have to do that again, right? Uh, what universe are you living in? Uh, that's just not how it works. We're not dealing uh, with a dead sacrifice, 
as the Old Testament offerings. You know the Old Testament offerings? You know what an offering is? They take a lamb or a bullock or a sheep or whatever. They kill it. They take the blood and sprinkle it and whatever. And they take that body of the, of the, the dead animal, the carcass. They put it on the altar and they burn it. And you know what? <clears throat> There's no problem. Because the animal is dead. It's not moving. It's a dead sacrifice. Hey, you want to know what the Bible says? The Bible says that today we're not dealing with a dead sacrifice. Then you kill it and then you offer it up, fine. No, the Bible says we are that sacrifice for the Lord, except we're alive. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a dead sacrifice. Is that what he said? A living sacrifice. You, me, a living. You know what a problem with a living sacrifice is? You don't kill it. You put it on the altar, and you go get the, ready for the fire or whatever. You turn around, and it ran off. I'm serious. I am absolutely serious. You know what happens? I get down here and I pray and I say, God, here I am. I'm giving you my hands. I'm giving you my eyes. I want to be used for you. And then I turn around and I'm out doing something else. And it's, it's not where it ought to be. Got to get it again, put it on the altar again. You know why? Because that's a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice doesn't stay on the altar. And you know what? When we prepare ourselves, when we dedicate ourselves, you know what? We got to do it over and over and over again. Why? Because it's a living sacrifice. It doesn't stay. <clears throat> but I consecrated myself to the Lord in my teens. Pastor, when I was a teenager, I said, God, it's, I'm giving it all to you. I'm, it's all yours. All right. And then you've stayed on that plane all your life till today, right? Hey, you know what? Even in the, the teenagers that go to camp, and you know, it's a blessing. It's such a blessing to see those young people, whether it be junior camp or senior camp, they come back from camp and they're on fire and they say, Mom, Dad, I love you. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> and you say, man, what happened at camp? That's great. You know, this, you know, and, you know, and they want to serve God and they want to read their Bible and they do that for a week and a half or two weeks. And you know what? The sacrifice jumps off the altar and runs away. And you got to get it again. And you got to put it up in there. Revival after revival. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm looking forward to Hal Hightower coming in uh, May. One of the best speakers uh, that have affected me in a, in a positive way. I love, I love Hal Hightower. God just uses them in a great way, and I'm looking forward to that. Amen. David Hetzer, our missionary, uh, our missionary speaker for our missions conference, you can't get, you cannot get a better speaker. For those of you uh, young people that were three years ago, four years ago, you were at senior camp and he preached, goodness, what, they, they remember, I could, I could ask some of those teenagers right here and you, you would remember the message that he preached that Tuesday morning or whatever it was where, where he dealt with those things that had to do with your life and all. And then, man, God used them in a big time way. I am looking forward to that. I am really looking forward to that. This year, we're having Michael Jones again in, in October. Man, I'm telling you, I love revivals. I love those times where you get, you get right up there to the Lord and you, you, you consecrate yourself again. But you know what? After a while, you need that again and again right. and again. Why? Right. It's called revival. Vive, vive means live. It's coming alive again, getting stirred up again, 
uh, being consecrated again and again and again. David says, I have prepared myself, and he did this, 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 and then he says, again, I have prepared myself. Well, yeah, because you need it constantly, over and over and over. It doesn't mean that you don't have to replace yourself on the altar again and again and again because when you were a teenager, you did something, you, you uh, sacrificed or you committed yourself to the Lord. Or maybe when you were first saved. You remember when you were first saved? You remember how everything, I mean, it didn't matter what God said. God would say, jump off the cliff, and you would jump. And now he says, jump off the cliff, and you say, um, what about my brother? <laughs> Is he going to jump off the cliff too, or you want him to go first, or, you know, whatever? What happened? Well, you know, kind of, hey, just because back when you were first saved or, or maybe last year or during the last revival or the sweet time that you had with the Lord last year, last month, yesterday, what about today? You know what? It's a constant thing. This being uh, 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 rededicated to the Lord, it requires a continual reoffering over and over and over again. That means you got to go back and you got to re-sacrifice. you got to replace yourself on the altar. A re-dying, a rededication. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ, Paul says, our Lord. I die daily. He says every day. Wait, wait a minute. No, no. Paul died once. That's when they took his head uh, when he was in the Mamertine prison. But no, 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 no. He says every day. Every day I place myself on that altar. Altar is called a killing place. That's what it is. To define an altar, it's a killing place. I take my will and I kill it. And I say, God, your will be done. Amen. I take my, my plans and I say, no more. God, I want to do what you want. I take whatever it is that I had I, and, I, and I end that and I bring it to the altar. And, and Paul says, hey, I do this every day. Every day I have to come to rededicate myself. Every day I have to come to, to uh, replace myself on the altar. So how about presenting yourself again today? That's what, that's what David did. This was David's uh, consecration. It's what he did. The question is, what is my consecration? Have I set my affection to God's house have I given and sacrificed personally? Has it cost me? Have I prepared myself, offered myself, yielded myself again to build God's work for him, to walk for him? Have I done that? David Livingstone, a pioneer missionary to Africa, he walked over 29,000 miles. His wife died early in their ministry and he faced stiff opposition from his Scottish brethren he ended up ministering half-blind. Man, that, that kind of a life, it just it, it kind of shames us when we see what he gave and how he gave for the Lord. We remember the words in his diary. This, these are his words. This is what he said. Send me anywhere. Only go with me, Lord. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever me from any tie but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. Amen. Hey, you know what? We need that kind of dedication. Just like David did. We need that here. So, I did it before. And I was on the altar before. Well, I had victory before, but you know what? I need it again today. I, I need to do it today. I need to, to offer. I need to prepare my own heart. I need to yield myself. 
I need to put myself on the altar again today. I need to offer myself for his service. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you've never been born again, I'm going to ask for you to come and, and, and uh, let me know, tap me on the shoulder and say, Pastor, I'd like to be saved. We'll get somebody with you and they'll open a Bible and show you how that you can be saved simply, how that you can re receive Christ as your Savior today. You need that. But what I'm going to do, and others, I'm inviting you to do this with me. The whole church. The whole church. Let's dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Let's yield ourselves to God again. Again. How about this morning? How about we do that and say, God, here we are. Use us. I'm going to do that for me. I'm going to ask you to do that for you and, and join me here at the altar. If you can't make it to the altar because there's too many, you can kneel at your, your seat or you could stay there and, and do the same thing in your heart. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to do that because that's what David did. Folks, that's what David did. He was, this was such a huge project, such a, a wonderful endeavor because it was not for man, but it was for the Lord God. And he says, this is what I'm, I, I'm going to do. I've prepared myself. I've set my affection. I have given. And then he says again, I've prepared myself. That's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to be doing that. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you help us. Help us to do the same thing. Lord, help us to understand that this dedication is not just a one-time thing. It would be wonderful. It was one time and, and forever. But Lord, it's a living sacrifice and it's daily. And, and we, we, we're in and out. We're up and down. Lord, we just have to do it as Paul did daily. And Lord, right now I'm going to use this time, these next few moments to, to sacrifice and to, and to present myself and Lord, these people that would do the same. Lord, I pray that